if you Love really want radio. to understand, if you really want to understand, encourage, support, educate, love, empower, or just be a strong woman, particularly a woman of color, then you have to know what it means to walk in her shoes. inaugural episode. I'm so glad you chose to be a part of the show today. Today, in honor of Juneteenth, we're going to discuss what does it mean to be free in America and are black women really free? I've invited some special guests to join in the conversation and lend their perspective. But before I introduce them, I want to remind everyone of the significance of this day in American history. America as a country was free from British rule as of July 4th, 1776. But not all Americans were free. Some were still enslaved. So Juneteenth is a holiday celebrated on June 19th to commemorate the emancipation of enslaved people in the United States. The holiday was first celebrated in Galveston, Texas, where on that date in 1865, in the aftermath of the Civil uh, War, slaves were declared free under the terms of the 1862 Emancipation Proclamation. The Union Army had to travel across the country notifying slaves and their masters that the war was over and that slavery had been abolished. On June 19, 1865, the Union Army finally made it to Galveston, which was thought to be the deepest part of the Confederacy. There, the Emancipation Proclamation was read out loud, freeing the last known slaves. So that is why we celebrate Juneteenth. And that is why we decided to talk about freedom, particularly of the freedom of black women in America on today. So before we begin our discussion, I'd like you to listen to the words of a poem. It's called The Illusion of Freedom, a poem for Juneteenth. It's written by Shel Johnson and recited by Iris Aubrey Busey. Freedom feels like being sheltered by the promise of tomorrow, like being kissed by the sun, hugged by the wind like joy and safety. Comfort in your own skin, it feels like boundless intersections of identities never being asked to conform. It sounds like the balanced melody of waves crashing, like the percussion of raindrops during the storm. It looks like the tangle of an unseen quill like jogging without looking over your shoulder. It exists in the dreams of little black girls. It's nestled under expanded wings. It feels like being worthy, like your life matters. It feels like being pushed on the screen. It's so close, 
I can let you listen to it. It smells like barbecue, but they just won't let me have a taste. No one who looks like me. The chains haven't been removed, they just look different. They look like mass incarceration. The over-policing of black lives, and I'm still waiting on the freedom I was promised in 1865. The piece is called The Illusion of Freedom, a poem for Juneteenth. So as I listen to that, there are so many things that spoke to me, and I'm going to share just a few of those before I introduce my guests and ask them to do the same. One of the phrases that really caught my attention was, it feels like boundless intersections of identities never being asked to conform. And from the work that I do in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're always talking about those intersections, the intersection of being black and being female, and then maybe adding other marginalized groups on top of that and how that affects our freedom. I also like the phrase that it feels like jogging without looking over your shoulder. How do you listen to that and not think about Ahmaud Aubrey? Or I like when she says, it exists in the dreams of little black girls. It's nestled under expanded wings. There are so many ways for little black girls to expand and to grow. And we'll talk about some of that. How do you do that? How do you get from being that little black girl who has a dream to being that black woman who has a career or a business or a family or whatever it is that she desires to have? And I think my favorite phrase in the whole poem is when she says, the chains haven't been removed. They just look different. So I want to introduce three very special women that are on the show with me today, and we're going to have some conversations. Each of them walks in a different type of shoes. They have their own perspectives, and they'll be adding to the conversation. So first, I want to introduce the Right Honorable Yvonne Gamble. She is CEO and founder of Sam Pete Financial Group Incorporated. I'm also being joined by Dr. Diane Adoma, President and CEO of Diane Adoma Consulting, and Raquel Hill, Creative Director of Raquel Hill and & Co. And so I'm going to start with you, Yvonne, I'm going to ask you if you would just briefly tell us how it is that you entered the field of finance. What, what is your story? My story, um, very quickly, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I entered the field doing prayer. I prayed. I got on my knees on July 18, 1976, and I asked the Lord, I said, God, I want to work in an industry that touches people's lives from the time they're born to the time they die. And I just went to bed. I was 18 years old. I got up that morning, looked in the yellow pages. The first ad I saw was American National Bank. I lived in Chicago, Illinois. I called that I was dressed, ready to go. I called the bank, went down, had my interview directly with the human uh, resources director because he was the only person there, and he had answered the phone when I called, and he put me in the million-dollar banking division of American National Bank at 18 years old, just having graduated wow. high school on June the uh, 6th of 1976, and that was July the 19th. And so that's what began my career working with multi-million dollar, billion dollar, and high-level uh, industries, uh, governments, heads of state, and that sort of thing. That's what started me out in the industry, and that's, you know, that's what has kept me going ever since. 
Wow, that's amazing. And I'm hoping that people heard you say heads of state, governments, million-dollar businesses, et cetera. So from 18 until now, which we know is just like 21, 22, but from 18 until now, um, what, what are some of the challenges that you face that you think you face uniquely because you are a black woman? Some of, one of the, the challenges probably that I faced early on, obviously, was being very young. I, and, and really, let me t- I will tell you this. I thought it was a challenge. But the, uh, the work that I had to do in the book of clients that I had, one of my uh, clients being uh, Marshall Fields' uh, family. They own the film museum in Chicago. They built the merchandise mark, mm-hmm. you know, and have Marshall Field stores. So they have several things that people are very well aware of. But when I would come to them with the different information and when I would come to them with different solutions or different things, they listened intently, and they hung on my every word. And that surprised me because I went in with the thought that it was going to be an issue because I was just a young girl of 18 and, you know, they were all much older and, you know, they had banks of lawyers, banks of uh, bankers, you know, the whole nine yards, and yet here I was being listened to. So really after the first couple of meetings, I was okay, you know, and I rolled with it. Having my own, starting my own business, the challenges were differently because of the different people that you run into and they look at you from a standpoint of not so much what is your experience or how can you do this, but how is it that you as a black person, and that's their prejudice. And I always meet people where they are. That's, that's their problem. I can't take it as mine because I'm here to do a job. And when you're right. working in this, uh, this end of the industry, it's not about me. I can't make it about me. I can't keep, no matter, I've had, you know, some things, you know, people say it to me. I've had some things I've said to other people that I dare not repeat, and they dare not repeat what they said to me. And, you know, we were all, we were both wrong. But the fact of the matter, at the end of the day, I still had the business. The work was still done. I still do the work today, and I just do it for myself instead of working at the bank. Okay. Amazing. Before I introduce Raquel again and let her to tell her story, I got one last question for you for right now. So when you think about today's black woman with respect to finances and wealth, describe her. What what would you say are some of the challenges that face us as black women, particularly those of us who are in business for ourselves and who do want to advance to the next level? What do we face as, in terms of obstacles and challenges when it comes to finances and wealth? When it, uh, education understanding, savings, and investing. That, mm. And that is, that's the plight. Because if you don't educate yourself, you can't just simply, you know, look at a, an advertisement or a marketing piece and, you know, or what someone else is doing and say, okay, I'm going to go and do that. No. You need to educate yourself and go deep into education, ask questions. There's advisors out there. There's free education. There's paid education. There are classes that you can take. You have to be educated. We are, the black women are the highest number of degreed, high advanced degreed people in this country. So there's no reason for us, if we're so well degreed in all these doctoral degrees, master's degrees, bachelor's degrees, associates, uh, certificates, engineering, in all of this, we need to have that same level of degreeing and understanding 
in financing. Because once you understand it, then you see, oh, it's just numbers. That's all it is. It's just numbers. Hmm. And that's good. And numbers are so important. I don't care what business you go into. If you're going to be making money, you know how to make, you need to know how to make the numbers work. So I want to go to the other end of the spectrum and talk to Raquel. And Raquel, I want you to tell us a little bit about your story. What is the form of creative expression that you're most familiar with? What is it that represents you? First, I want to say congratulations on a successful podcast. This is going to be amazing. So uh, I come to you currently, I guess, from the world of, of art. So I love everything there is about dance. Dance puts me in my happy place when I'm feeling sad. Um, I always find myself dancing. I think what I've done with my life and my career is I like to put objects into spaces. So that comes to, you know, dancing when I design, even marketing is putting objects into spaces. When I cook, it's taking objects and turning them to other things and putting them um, in, into spaces. So freedom for me in terms of um, self-expression lies. The art is at the basis of what I do, but I'm also one of those people who use both sides of my brain. So I'm analytical and artsy, like, at the same time. Okay. Now, I know from previous conversations with you that there are challenges that sisters in the creative space face sometimes with respect to being taken seriously for their profession to be seen truly as a profession and not as a hobby. So speak a little bit about that. Okay. So often um, artists, we face the, the challenge of people understanding that we are entrepreneurs, our, but our, our craft and what we are really good at is singing, dancing, you know, writing, and, and acting. It's not a side hustle. It's something that we take very seriously. Waiting tables is a side hustle while we're reading scripts in the, in the bathroom. A lot of people are entertained by the things that we produce, so they see it as, you know, not, not serious. You know, there's no way this person is is actually going to, um, to, you know, to act for the, for the rest of their lives, and so they, they hit it big. But there are people who act on the, the local stage, and they do it all the time, and they're very successful at it, and they make money. There are singers who sing in the local bar all the time. Every night they're singing at a jazz club. They are the featured artist, and that is the highlight of their life. I don't know if you saw the, the cartoon Soul. He was a teacher. He just wanted to yeah. be a jazz musician, and he did everything he could do to get back to that. It's all about being honest with, with your core. Um, so often what we struggle is like sitting down at a business meeting and saying, hey, I'm a dancer. And they go, oh, that's cute. You know, how can we, how can we get the business? You know, I need an accountant. I need a, a marketing person to help me boost my career the same way, you know, everyone else in this room does. So it's, it's sometimes yeah. it's just a matter of being taken seriously, yeah. And so was there anything in that poem that kind of spoke to you? Were there any phrases that resonated with you the way some of them resonated with me? Well, I just I, if we look at the title, just the illusion of of, of freedom, um, mm-hmm. that kind of you know resonated like you had me at the you know <laughs> illusion of freedom before you started <laughs> um, reading it. Fortunately, I have it in front of me, so I was listening to some aspects of what was um, you know what what was going to be said. I I kind of took the journey with the whole thing of. Um, you know, of freedom, you know, often we are fighting the battle of do we really belong to ourselves. Um, we're yeah. so systematically conditioned to answer to a master that um, we forget who is really holding the reins. 
You know, I love that because, like, the one of the phrases I mentioned in terms of never being asked to conform. Of course, in a society, yeah. there are certain things you're going to have to conform to, but so often our creative juices are stifled because we are asked to think and act a certain way. You know, it's, when you think about the corporate arena, which is the one that I'm most familiar with, when we go into organizations, we're asked to really forget a lot of who we are and the ways we express ourselves and to show right. up and do things according to their path, even when it comes to the way we look. You know, when I think that, right. think on the Crown Act, for instance, you know, it wasn't until July of 2019 that the Crown Act was passed, which makes it illegal for an employer to, to fire a black woman because she wears her hair too ethnically. Prior to that, and actually, the law has only been passed in seven states. It's not even federal legislation, and it's only pending here where we're based in the state of Georgia. So to think that you can't even express yourself in the way that God designed your hair to grow out of your head, it really speaks to me when it talks about ways that we're asked to conform. So I don't know. Like, right. Any thoughts on that area? I well, wanted I to think about kind of uh, jump in. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dr. No, that's Dumb. fine. Go, Go ahead. ahead. That's all right. It's a conversation. So oh. Go ahead. Get in okay. there you can. I, I, wanted, I, just to throw, I just wanted to throw this in to your audience, and that is this. People see the city of Chicago, and they think of that as one of the most segregated cities in the country. And it is. But what they don't, and I like uh, the other young lady who was talking about the fact that we don't even realize the freedoms that we actually have, you know, what, what mm -hmm. our freedoms are, because, you know, you're free. Jesus died, you're free. That's it. And so, therefore, what happens is you're bound by a, a thought. You may be bound by a society, a way of life, a way of living. But one of the things about the city of Chicago is this. It's not the segregation that you may necessarily think of. What the, the segregation, why it remains the, where they have the neighborhood is this. When the city comes together in the corporate area in the, at the city center, the city works. That's why it says city works. That city works together. When people go home into their ethnic neighborhoods, then they can be everything they are because what they, what they recognize there in the city of Chicago was that there are people from all over, and there are very now, large groups say, of people from all over and large populations. Just say, like out of Warsaw, that's the largest population of Polish people that it is. The only population of Polish people that's higher uh, is in Warsaw itself in Poland. Because, and so, therefore, what it does is, yes, when you come together, you have to learn to work together, and you have to learn you can bring your diversity into that. But I was just saying, for that, that city, when they go outside of that and into their neighborhood, they, they, that was never taken away from them. So I'm going I'm to comment on that before I then move us on to Dr. Adoma, because to some extent I agree with you, but the place where I would differ a little bit is when we look at the big picture and we look at systemic racism, when we look at the neighborhoods that people are going back to and how some people have a choice which neighborhood they can go to and others don't, or how the neighborhood you're in 
the, the property taxes fund the educational system, which then determines what schools your children can go to and whether or not your children are going to get a good quality of education. And, of course, if you don't get educated well, then it impacts what kind of job you can get. And if you don't get a good job, since most of our health benefits are tied to where we work, then you don't necessarily have the good health benefits. And, I mean, the cycles just continue. And so I do think that, Yes, there's a difference between when we're in the corporation and how things flow and when we're back in our neighborhoods and how things flow. But if we go up to that 30,000-foot level and look down, systemic racism, to me, is getting in the way. And there, there is a dichotomy with respect to who lives where, what they can do, are there food deserts, pharmacy deserts, or do people have access to the things that they need? So to some extent, I mean, my bias is that, when it comes to how we live our lives every day, we're not as free as I'd like to see us be. And so our practices many times don't line up with our policies. Dr. Diana Doma, uh, I mean, when I think of government legislation, someone who understands regulations and how do things get done in the political arena, her name always comes to mind. So, Dr. Doma, if you would, tell us a little bit about you and some of the work that you do at Diana Doma Consulting. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, first of all, I'd like to share with the audience that public office is not for the weak, the faint, and the frail. You have to be bold. You have to be courageous. You have to be powerful. And you want to still maintain your femininity and your womanhood. So my journey has taught me a lot about what it means to be a public servant. First of all, you have to be able to stand for something you have to be prepared, though, to accept the rewards as well as the consequences of that stance. Many people are not willing to go there. So there's a difference in a politician and a public servant. And I like to view myself as a public servant. And one of the things people have to realize, and I want to go back to the poem um, earlier, when you talk about freedom, because that's very important, especially as we celebrate June 10th. But there are many different types of chains, the physical chains that you can physically see. Then we have the mental and the emotional chains that you can't see, which is extremely dangerous. And then um, last, I think today, in today's environment, we're dealing with what I call economic chains. And so economic inequality, in my opinion, is the new racism. You know, you think of civil rights where we march. But now we got civil rights versus digital rights because whoever owns your data owns you. So as the black female, in order for, that, for us to get ahead, we have to be equal when it comes to economics. And let me give an example for, for Georgia in case the audience is not aware. Uh, there's only in 2014 and 2015, there was only one congressional district where women who were doing the same exact job, the same job as a man. They start on the same day, and yet the salary of the woman is about 70 cents to the $1 for the man. And I don't think the salary there of the black woman. That's the salary of the black woman is less, ladies. Yeah. I'm giving you the general yeah. no, women I, no, I in general. You, you just didn't say the black woman. Yeah. I want people to know that because white women make more money, Asian women make more money, but yeah, black women, yes, only make about 70 cents. It's to more the about, yeah. yeah. 
Well, yeah, that's ahead, probably true. I don't have the statistics for that. The statistics I have put them all in one school, but I guarantee you, as you said, if we took the statistics and broke them down, you probably would see a scarier picture. But nonetheless, women are women, and, you know, the black woman is still not fairly represented in the boardroom. She's not really, you know, we're we're making progress, but we're not there yet. I'm hoping that my children and grandchildren will eventually see a female president. We're closer than we've ever been. We do have a female vice president, and, and that's great, but we still are not where we need to be. So lots of work. Uh, we have a lot of work ahead of us. And at the same time, we want to maintain our femininity and our womanhood. You shouldn't have to shift away from wearing your heels and your lipstick in order to be accepted, but we're not there yet. Because let me share with you, there is still racism within the race, and no one wants to talk about that. That's the tough subject because we want to think that racism is always external. But oftentimes we deal with it external. Yes, it is there. I see it every day. I deal with it every day. I be a victim of it almost every day. But then you come into your own culture and your own race, and there's still racism there and biases within our own race. And then you break it down, you got an extended bias that extends to the black woman. So we're getting it from all angles. As you mentioned earlier, the hair, the makeup, you know, uh, the age, the attire, all of that. And so I just say, as, as Yvonne said, prayer is how I survive. Prayer is what takes me to the next level. And let me share, prayer is what frees me from those physical, mental, emotional, and economic chains because somehow you have to clear your mind to focus in order to get to the next step. And if you don't understand the power of prayer and how to work in harmony with your prayers, it's going to be very, very difficult to reach your goals. Yeah, so right. I appreciate what you just said. That was a drop the mic moment. Yes. That, was a, that was an education. That was a Let trolling. Ooh. <laughs> That was good. You know what I wanted to say. I'm holding myself. That was was excellent, uh, Dr. Adama. That that, that was. was. And thank you so much. And the one thing that we as black women do not be afraid to speak up and speak the name and the word of God in everything that you do. And trust me, the more we do that, the more we will break down all of these barriers, all of these chains, be they perceived, unperceived, be they physical or non-physical, what have you, the faster we will break them down when you bring him into the picture. Thank you so much, Dr. Adama. Hey, you're hey, this, this, is, this, is this is Raquel. I just want to just jump in here real quick. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when we, when we thought about freedom was I was thinking about back in the days of slavery, not that I was a slave, but the focus was on the, the black man and how big and strong he was and how intimidated people were by him, and they, they wanted to keep him down. Then you got the white woman who's sitting on the porch, and she's always protected, but you got this black woman who's the strength of the, who is, who is bringing in a lot of strength, who is basically ignored and kind of looks almost as like, you know, like push to the side. I think with that kind of story drawn, we were able to kind of sneak in through the back. So we had 
a certain level of freedom because we were our power was never really fully acknowledged. We were able yes. to just kind of get away with some of these things. And then what happened when the world caught up and everyone started to realize that we were there, we got Stacey Abrams in your face. So we were able to kind of slide in because nobody thought we were smart enough. Nobody found, no one was protecting us like they were protecting Lily on the porch, and no one was scared of us like they were with Buck in the field. So they were ignoring us while we were back there cultivating all of this power. So sometimes there's a little bit of freedom in the way we were able to now kind of surface and flex our muscle and show people who we really are. I just wanted to add that, that little piece just in terms of thinking about freedom. I'm glad you did because it's an important piece. And really when we stop to think about it, black women do have a lot of power. But so much of that has been downplayed, as you said, or seemingly taken away from us. And we really need to recognize the power that we have and to walk in it. And that's one of the things that I think we're lacking in. We do not understand our power and we don't walk in it. Yes. And yes, I will I will have I will add to what Raquel said. I will add this and throw a little twist in here and that is, oh yeah, Raquel, they know your power. They know the power of the black woman. They from where they got you from, from Mother Africa, they know how powerful you are. And they're and trust me, the reason why to this day the biggest fear, it's not the fear of the white woman the black man or the white man. It is the power of the black woman, the woman of color, because the one that can stand and bear all that comes down on it, just like Mother Earth, this earth sits here and takes everything that we throw at it. The same thing does with the black woman, and still we rise. No matter what happens to us, we rise up ashes. They kill our young. We rise up more children. They uh, try to take us down. We rise up stronger. We hold our families together. We hold our communities together. We hold nations together. Oh, yeah, that's the biggest fear, and that's the reason why all the way to the top of government, all the way down to the low uh, lines in the gutter, that racism exists is because of the fact that of the fear they know that once in this catch and hold, it's too late, it's over. Rome is falling because they, because we have caught hold. We have looked at ourselves. We see ourselves. We have a vice president. We have a Stacey Abrams. We've got a Keisha Lance Bottoms. we got a Maxine Waters. But the list can go on and on forever. And now we are coming together, and we are stronger. We are seeing who we are. Like um, Dr. Linda said, walk in it. You are the queen. Be that queen on that chessboard. You can, like you said, you can slip in here, slip in there. No, you're not slipping anywhere. That queen on that chessboard moves any way she desires to move. That's all we so have I'm gonna to add do. Some, I'm going to add some names to your list. I'm going to add some names to your list. We've got a, an Yvonne Gamble. We've got a Dr. Diana Doma. We've got a Raquel <laughs> Hill. We've got a Dr. Linda Riley. We're going to add some names yes, to that yes, list. Yes, yes, yes. Okay? So now I'm going to shift gears just a little bit, but I want to sort of recap. So what I'm gathering from our conversation, we're saying that, yes, there are challenges and obstacles that black women face um, in, in terms of being free, and many of these are unique to us. So one of those is prejudice. Another one you mentioned was lack of opportunity. We talked about being underestimated. We talked about 
uh, inequity, some of them being racial and, and otherwise, and we talked about the pay inequity, which is a big one. Those are many of the challenges. I don't want us to leave there. So I want to make sure that we shift, and I'm going to ask you to tell us your opinion as to whether or not you think today's black woman is really free, and then I want to know what message do you have for today's black woman. So I'm going to start with you, uh, Raquel, if you don't mind. Do you think today's black woman is really free, and what message do you have for her? I think she is, is becoming free. I think the, the most important one, well, not the most important, one of the, an important thing is that we need to realize that we are not our mother, and our mothers did the best that they can do, but times have changed, and a lot has shifted, and we're, and we're aware. Um, the advice that I would, would give to a woman is, is to, be, to be present. I think they say if you worry about the past, that, leads, that brings on um, guilt. And if you think about the future, that makes you anxious. So if you can just maintain and try to be in the moment, then you can have your sense of peace and you're not anxious and you're not feeling worried and you're just kind of being, you know, protecting your peace and, and moving forward, um, um, you know, uh, in, the, in the moment. I kind of lost my thought, but <laughs> that's pretty much great. Thank you what so I much. To, and I now I want you to, to tell out. people yeah. how they can contact you. So if somebody wants to contact you. Also, I should mention, I, I got so into the conversation, and normally this will be strictly podcast form. There will be a replay of this on Spotify and other major podcast platforms. But because we are live and we can accept calls on Block Talk Radio, if you are interested in asking a question, you can uh, chime in and ask some questions. Of course, the number is 516-418-5778. So in case you came on your browser, 516-418-5778. Raquel, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and about Raquel Hill and Co.? Raquel? Right, we may have lost her you just running my mouth. No, uh, I was on mute. <laughs> the best right. way, I muted myself. The best way to get in touch with me is, is through my website, uh, com. From there, if you click on some tabs, you'll see, you'll get to explore my other website, which is raquelhill.co, um, where I do a lot of cooking. So um, just go to my website, com, and you'll learn a lot about the things that I do, um, a lot of the work that I do. All right, thank you so much. Yvonne, is today's black woman really free, and what message do you have for today's black woman? Today's black, yes, today's black woman, you are absolutely free. You always have been. Wake up, smell the coffee, and let's get to work. You can reach me at www.sandpfinancialgroup.com. I will do everything in my power to teach you, to educate you, and to get you funded in whatever it is you want to do. But you are free indeed. God made you free. You did not take someone else telling you, so you need to start walking and believing in your freedom. And anything that is out here in this world that is lacking, if you can't do it, reach out to someone else. There's someone else out there who can help you do it, and we can get it done. That's how we have always done it, and that's how we will continue to do it. All right. Amen. <laughs> Dr. Adoma, is today's black woman really free? And what message do you have for today's black woman? Well, thank you for the question. Today's black woman is only free if it is safe for her to be her authentic self. 
I always like to say people laugh at me because I'm different. I laugh at them because they're all the same. So when we're <laughs> able to be our authentic selves without the consequences, as long as we're respecting others, then I'll know for a fact that we're free, totally free. So if anyone wants to contact me for additional information on that comment, my website is dianadoma.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-A-D-O-M-A.com. And um, my email is diane at dianadoma.com. And my number is 678-612-5175. All right. Thank you so much. So I'm going to throw my two cents in as well, and I'm going to say that we've come a long way, and we will see the promised land, but I don't believe that we are totally free. I believe that in our minds we are holding ourselves back. I also acknowledge that there are things in society that are obstacles that get in our way, but we must loose the chains that are binding our minds, because I do 100% agree with, with Scripture in terms of, you know, we are free because Christ freed us. So I want to leave just five little nuggets in terms of my message to black women. Number one is to be authentic and to be true to yourself. You have to write your own narrative, and it's not enough just to write it. You have to tell it. I know there are things that have happened in my life that I'm not particularly proud of or would want to repeat all over again, but I understand that they have purpose. And so as long as if I were to allow myself to feel guilt or shame around those things, then I'm putting myself in bondage. But when I start speaking them so that other women can learn and identify and grow along with me, that's part of me breaking the chain to free myself. Now, again, there are some chains that can't be broken, just like in that poem. She said, the chains haven't been removed. They just look different. And I do agree with that statement. But we need to be authentic and write our own narrative. Number two is you have to trust your higher power. For me, that higher power is Jesus Christ. Could be a different power for someone else. Whatever it is, you have to know that there is someone bigger than yourself. And that someone needs to be acknowledged and trusted. The third thing I'll say is educate yourself broadly. Many people go deep, and that's okay. Each one of these women goes very deep in her respective field, but they also go wide because you need to know a little bit about a lot of things. So educate yourself broadly. Number four would be to build a tribe. Everybody needs a support system because you cannot get through this life on your own. And even though in my belief system I do have a father in heaven, he has equipped me with the ability to make connections here on earth so that not only am I pouring into other people, but other people are pouring into me. So we all need to have a tribe. And then the last thing would be to just keep believing. Believe in the dream. Believe in yourself. Believe in your higher power but just keep believing. So it has been my absolute pleasure. I wish we had more time, but we have come to the end of time that we have for this episode. And I want to thank the Right Honorable Yvonne Gamble, Dr. Diana Doma, and Raquel Hill for spending time in conversation and sharing their thoughts. I also want to thank Aurelia Lyles, who was the producer as well as the owner of the Cocoa Express Network, that we are broadcasting on through Blog Talk Live. If you want to contact me, there are a number of ways to do it. I am on just about every type of social media there is, either as the Dr. Linda or 
Dr. Linda Wiley Bing. Um, but you can also reach the podcast through support at inhershoespodcast.com. We want to make sure that if there are questions you want to hear uh, people respond to, that you let us know what the questions are. And if by some chance you want to be a guest, you have an opinion and you want to come on, tell us about what you're doing, challenges you face, whatever it happens to be, so that we can understand broadly what it means to be a woman, particularly a woman of color, in America these days, because no two women have the same experience. It's going to differ depending on whose shoes you're walking in. And I will go even further to say that for the same woman, it will vary depending on which shoes you happen to have on on a given day. If you're dressed a certain way, people are going to perceive you a certain way. So we need to make sure that we are fully understanding. And as I said in the beginning, if you want to understand, encourage, support, educate, love, empower, or just be a strong woman, particularly a woman of color, then you have to know what it means to walk in her shoes. Thank you all for joining us. And so until next time, I'm Dr. Linda. Please be blessed. Ladies, are you still there? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.